Welcome, guys, back to the Grateful Living Podcast. Today, I'm fortunate to have Jake Northrup. He is the founder of Experience Your Wealth, a company that provides virtual fixed-fee financial planning services to travel-loving young families. And Jake has also been featured in 2020's Investment News' 40 Under 40. Jake, uh, thank you so much for being on. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. I'm excited. Awesome. So take it back, uh, you know, a little bit to, to the beginning, set the scene for people that don't know you. Um, you know, what were you like as a kid and maybe what were some experiences that shaped who you are today? Yeah, man. Happy to. So uh, I grew up in Boxborough, Massachusetts. So a lot of people might have heard of Acton Boxborough before. I know where t- that's where yep. you're from too. And yep. I always said like, I'm from Acton. Then people would say, oh, AB. I say, all right, I'm actually from Boxborough because no one knew what it would be. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I grew up there. Um, just, uh, you know, I was fortunate to have a great childhood. I was an athlete my whole life. So uh, I was very passionate about baseball, basketball. Um, so it was kind of ingrained in me that competitive spirit from a really early age and just learning to be a, a really hard worker and you know if you wanted something you had to put in the time and energy to to go get it um, and I think that's translated a lot into different aspects of my personal and both professional life too um, so after high school I went to Endicott College for a year to play uh, baseball there and then ultimately transferred out to UMass Amherst and went there for for three years and kind of found my UMass family and friends and everything and um, I majored in finance, so I was always interested in like the business world, investments and numbers, but you know, it, I was trying to figure out the right mix between working with people um, and also working in this investment market type environment. Um, I knew I didn't want to go work on Wall Street, work 70 to 80 hours a week. Uh, that was just wasn't my cup of tea. Like, I always really valued the, the flexibility. Uh, I think that was something that was ingrained from my parents to me was they were always there for you know, my baseball games and they were always there at dinner and things. And you know, that's something when I was looking at my life and asked, you know, how do I want to see this uh, end up? And that was a big one. I wanted to have that flexibility. So you know, I had a few different internships in college, uh, one corporate finance internship, which was the most valuable one I ever had because it was friggin' awful. <laughs> and I always tell people one of the biggest values that you can have is figuring out what you like and, and what you don't like. Um, so that was a really helpful one and just helped me further navigate, you know, where's my home going to be in this industry? Um, and then there was just a we're going to get real pretty fast, but <laughs> there was a major life event that happened um, when I was 21 years old. Um, my dad passed away suddenly. So he was 63 years old, you know, great health. I uh, was golfing that week and everything and just something happened pretty quickly. Um, and what I did was uh, I was actually meeting with our family's financial planner at, at that point. So I was sitting next to my mom and um, I remember just sitting across the table from our family's financial planner and saying, thank God there's someone across the table just helping us out, like navigating us through this most challenging time in our lives. And I kind of had some bells go off after that saying, this seemed like a really cool mix of seeing the impact with people um, being there for both the good and the bad, but also just being able to talk about things like finance and numbers and investments and so I was able to kind of have those two bridges and found my home uh, coming from a pretty uh, traumatic life experience. 
Awesome, awesome. Thank you for that introduction. Um, just to to ask a couple questions to follow up. Do you, you know, you know, obviously your father's death was uh, obviously a major life event. Uh, prior to that, you know, obviously you were majoring in finance. Mm -hmm. Do you think, was there something prior, you know, in high school or college that drew you to that? Or was there any life event or, you know, what, what made you interested in finance? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, do you remember, I don't know if you had this, but do you remember like those really quick uh, math exams that we had? It was like seven times nine, like add them up, right? And you had to do as many as you could. And a lot of people hated those. I friggin' nerded out for those. I, <laughs> I love this. I can do this so fast in my head, like bang through this. Um, but, you know, when I was thinking about school, it was just... Um, Part of it was just talking to my parents and talking to my friends and families about certain fields that I really liked. I think they saw, like I had the people skills that was really needed um, to really thrive in that field. And then I also was just a very logical thinker too. Um, and I was learning just about different fields I could go into. Sorry, my email's going on. No, no, you're good. Did I just cut? <laughs> um, but I, I remember just getting interested in the stock market and like buying a few stocks when I was a kid. I remember my parents gave me a little bit of money there. Um, I remember I actually had an option where my dad was going to give me a, an iPad for Christmas. And I said, actually, instead of having an iPad, could I just have some money and go play around the stock market? <laughs> like that's where <laughs> that's my awesome. head was because I was just like curious about what, what made things tick, like what made things go up, what made economies grow and things like that. So I think it was just a, a natural curiosity that I had from my end, but then also thinking like, I really wanted the impact. I wanted the people aspect. And that's where, you know, it took me a while to figure out how those two mix. But um, I always knew like I was terrible in art school, <laughs> like art class. I had no creative bone in my body. Like it was all just, athletics and in business and people. And I wanted to figure out how to make all those just kind of come through. Yeah. Especially given what you're doing now, being in the lane of entrepreneurship, is that something as you reflect back on your life, was that something you were introduced to at a young age or at what point did the idea of, of starting your own company form? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, I really wasn't introduced to it at a young age. Um, like, for example, uh, none of my parents were business owners or you know, I had a few relatives, but I didn't really see it like firsthand. Um, I remember reading uh, Tim Ferriss's book called uh, The Four Hour Work Week. Have you ever heard of that book before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was really, really inspired by that. And, and it just talked about how you know, it's getting rid of this like nine to five work to your 65 mentality and just doing things very differently. Right. And trying to challenging what you want out of life and everything. And frankly, it was um, like that event that I talked about, my dad passing away. It just made me realize like life is short. It's really, really short. Right. And I never wanted to go down a path to try to live for the future. Like I always wanted to live in the present. And um, you know, I was just fascinated by how businesses worked. Um, I realized working in more of a corporate job where if I ever sensed there was a ceiling, like I got very frustrated. <laughs> I, I'm not the most patient person in the world. I think part of that was just from athletics too. Like, 
you know, if I went over three in a game, I would go to the batting cage for an hour the next day and like get through that. So, you know, I was able to work and see the results, work and see the results. And I think what I struggled with was working and then not seeing the results in a corporate landscape, right? It's kind of feeling like I'm being dragged down by this, not seeing the direct results of it. And that's where entrepreneurship came in, where, you know, you, there is no ceiling. It's scary, but there is no ceiling. So you're able to kind of get what you put in, which was the environment that I always wanted to, to have. Yeah. Yeah. As you, you know, as you mentioned, uh, your father passed uh, when you were 21. Uh, you know, obviously, I want to be respectful to you and, and whatever details you want to give, but do you want to just from a, a, you know, from a human aspect, what was that like, you know, especially, you know, 21's a fun age, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, I think a lot of us at that age are young, free, invincible. And, you know, that's a very personal loss, right? And that kind of probably changes your world in, in so many different ways. Um, yeah, whatever you want to say, you know, just for, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm happy to. I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things where um, it doesn't seem real at all for a long time. And it, it kind of just makes you, everything that was in your life that felt like a certainty, you realize like, oh, this can really change at any moment, right? So whether it's health for a family member or a job or a relationship, like all those things, it's, you get comfortable. And I think you take for granted that, you know, it's always going to be there. Um, so it was, it was definitely, I mean, it was extremely challenging. Like, you know, I was able to grow closer to my family, be there for my mom and everything. But um, I remember it just gave me this perspective, which I think I was very lucky to have at 21 of, you know, the most valuable thing that we have on earth is time. And it really isn't about money. It's not about like success or anything like that. When you real, really, really boil down to it, it's, it's time that you can spend with the people that you love and doing the things that you really enjoy. Um, and that's a type of perspective that most 21 year olds don't get. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was still drinking at bars and getting drunk, but yeah. <laughs> I could also like kind of take a step back and just truly value my friendships and value my career and value my families. But with the, you know, that goal or that learning moment in mind of, you know, life is short and you want to take advantage of life as you go and not just defer everything for the future, because that's going to, you never know what that's going to look like. I don't know if this is a fair question to ask, you know, obviously, you know, but I'm in a personal situation where something similar has happened to a friend of mine. You know, I don't know if, do you have any words of advice for the people around you, like your friends and, and how they can, best support you? I mean, obviously, everybody's different, every situation's different. But, you know, for those closest to you that want to be there, any any pieces of advice there? Yeah, it, it's tricky. It really is. Because as you mentioned, I think everyone's very different with it. 
Um, I would say though, that looking back on my experience, I remembered every single person that reached out. I remember who was at the funeral. I remember all those things. And, you know, the people that really stepped up are the people that are going to stick with you and really become those closer friends. Right. So I think there is this like awkwardness of, do I reach out, but I don't want to respect their time. And you don't need to ask anything. Like, it's not like, let me go drop things off. It's even a small thing, like shooting a text. If it's someone you haven't talked to in a while and say, wow, you know, I saw the news and you, know, you don't have to respond to this, but I just want to let you know, like I'm thinking about you and your family, like this person meant a lot and everything. So I do think uh, making some type of effort is really important. Um, that being said, if you don't get a response or things like that, it's nothing personal. It's just like when that happens, your world is just all off. <laughs> um, but I do remember just the people that were there and the people that reached out and frankly, that, that meant a lot. So my recommendation would be to, you know, feel comfortable to just say to people, like, I'm here to support you with whatever that is. Um, a low key one that's super important is just like bring food. <laughs> that's something that I learned, like the best thing you could ever do during like a crisis is just like bring over pizza so they don't have to worry about uh, cooking or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. So if you're at that level, like just do that and just say, hey, I just want to drop this off. Um, but if not, I'd say just reach out to people and say, I'm thinking about you. And if they feel like they want to um, talk more about it, I feel like they'll be in a position to, to ask about it. Yeah. Thank you for that. So as you, as you finished up college, uh, do you want to just talk about what you did in, in the, in, um, after that in the corporate world and talk about that experience? Yeah, sure thing. So right after school, um, I, I moved back to, to Boston. Uh, I landed a job at a firm called Ballantine Partners. So I was at a financial planning firm. I uh, worked with very high net worth clients. So people that had, you know, $5 million and up of assets. In other words, not 25 year olds or 30 year olds. <laughs> um, people that were much older sometimes would look at me like, you're the age of my grandkids. But, <laughs> um, you know, I viewed it as a stepping stone to get into a field that I was very passionate about. But you know, when it comes to money, it, it's just such an important thing where if you're receiving advice from someone, you really need to A, know they have your best interest at heart and B, they know their shit. <laughs> Think of it as like, you know, would you go to the doctor and want to work with a surgeon who's never practiced on a patient before? Probably not, right? You'd want to be like, I right, went to med school, they had the residency, like all these things, right? Um, so I didn't want to be that surgeon without going to med school and having a residency. In other words, like I wanted to be a financial planner, but go somewhere to learn everything first, like learn how to work with clients, be a part of a team. Um, I got all my certifications when I was there. So things like the certified financial planners test, chartered financial analyst, student loan one too. It's kind of alphabet soup, but essentially what that meant was like uh, early weekday mornings and Saturday mornings, I was studying a lot. So I think that was something that was helpful. Um, you know, I had the perspective of when thinking about advanced education, I didn't want to be doing all of that when I had kids. Like I've seen people that like went to their MBA or, you know, took some really hard tests and I couldn't imagine trying to study for all of that, like while I had kids. So I came out with the mindset of, I want to get all this advanced education done while I had the time and the ability to do it. And then after that, you know, see where it leads me. So um, I was there for about five and a half years before I ultimately left and launched my own firm. How, where do you think you got that 
self-motivation to do all those <laughs> tests? Did you have a mentor or was it, I mean, just self-driven and educated yourself a lot or? Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> it's one that uh, frustra frustrates my wife because she's also an entrepreneur and we work in the same room or same house. And she sees that I'm just so self-motivated that she hates me at times. <laughs> Where sometimes she just wants to sit on the couch and watch Netflix on a Saturday morning. And like, I'm writing a blog post at 9am. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's something that's interesting. I have my clients take this thing called a uh, financial DNA, which shows how they are hardwired to act around money. And part of that is, you know, how goal oriented are you? Um, so when I took it myself, I'm literally a 99% of the population that's goal oriented. And I think that just relates back to, um, me being an athlete growing up and then like having that mindset of, I hated losing. <laughs> uh, I always wanted to think like, how could I be the best or how could I advance? Or, you know, if I went two for three in a game, how could I go three for three in the next game um, to my detriment too? You know, I don't think it's always a good thing too. So uh, I, it's just how I'm hardwired. Like I've always thought, all right, I've achieved this, like what's next. Um, but at the same time, it's something for me to really be aware of because I have a tendency to overwork and sacrifice uh, balance at times. So it's something that I need to be aware of and be grounded from, but I was lucky to just A, be hardwired like that, um, but B, you know, I had some great friends and mentors um, in college and getting out of it that I was able to reach out to them and say like, Hey, someone new coming in this industry, what would you recommend? So I wasn't going in blinds, um, but I took it upon myself to reach out proactively instead of like hoping someone comes to me. I thought, Hey, I'm just going to go find some people that I would like to emulate and be like, and figure out what they would give to a young, younger self's advice. That's, that's a great piece of advice. While you're at Ballantyne, did you always know that, I'm going to start my own company or at what prop, at what point did that start creeping into your mind? Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was always in the back of my mind. I wasn't really sure how or when it would happen. Um, but the realization came in where I thought, who do I love, love working with? Right. Like when I think about who am I motivated to meet with on zoom or in person and everything, I realized it wasn't, you know, 70 year olds. So it's nothing, nothing wrong with that. Right. So like did a great job. It's just like, I wanted people that were more personable, um, that I could send memes to <laughs> that I could text with, like I could have more personable conversations with, um, but also just relate to at a different level. Right. So I always found frustration in someone being much, much older when so much of uh, financial planning really is just life planning and like understanding to be able to say, Hey, I know what you're going through, which is something that I couldn't say when someone's talking about like challenges with parenting and with their um, grandkids, like at the time. Right. So I said, all right, you know, I really am motivated by working with people similar to me at a similar stage of life. Um, and helping them really make the right financial decisions throughout their life rather than near the end of it when they're just trying to preserve what they had. So I said, great, you know, I want to take this expertise and everything that I had learning at Valentine Partners and bring it to people at an earlier stage of their life and knowing, you know, hey, life is short. Um, I have personal experience to back that. And I want to be sure that you know, you're able to live a life that you look back and never say, what if? 
that that moment you know you decide to to make that leap right that's got to be you know a back and forth moment right you did you you know obviously you have personal relationships going on and things of that nature did you what was your i mean what i guess what was your mindset in in getting over that fear uh, you know did you save up a lot of money i mean i, I just what was yeah you, yeah yeah absolutely i mean there i think there's two parts of that there's um a like more of a black and white financial aspect of it of you need to have um, i call it a runway fund of being able to have cash in a bank account to support you as your business is running up right so I was married, I had a dog, like I didn't want to put us on the street and not be able to pay vet bills. So, you know, people, if any financial planners hearing this, they're probably gonna yell at me, but like I didn't contribute to my 401k, like, oh God. <laughs> um, because I knew like, all right, well, I wanna start a business. And I tell this to my clients is the best investment you can ever make is into yourself, right? So it's not into, a 401k. It's not into like a stock or anything like that. I think it's investing into yourself, your happiness and your life. So what I wanted to do was how can I best support building a business while still keeping the lights on, maintaining, you know, a slightly lower style of living, um, but not being able to touch, you know, some of the other long-term money that I have. So I did have a good amount of cash saved up. Um, to help just alleviate some of that concern of, am I going to be okay as I'm building this? So that's more of the like objective black and white side. Um, the second side is the emotional one of, you know, not going into an area where you're going to mess up. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. You don't know if like anyone's going to buy into it and everything. Um, and, you know, I was able to cross that by just surrounding myself with an environment of people that have done it before, have done it successfully, and were able to support me during it. Um, I actually had an accountability partner. Um, we met every single week uh, while we were both, uh, he came to my wedding and then when he got back, he ended up getting let go and he was starting his own firm too. Totally different industry. He was in the tech world, but you know, we had weekly calls to keep each other accountable, like give each other ideas and different perspectives. So I think, you know, from the psychological standpoint, it's surrounding yourself with a community of people that are there for you because it's going to be challenging. Um, I don't know if you've seen the graph on entrepreneurship that's like goes up, like, oh my God, this is the best day ever it goes down. Oh shit. What did I do? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> Literally like that. Highs and lows. Yep. Yeah. It's the higher highs and the lower lows. Yeah. I guess when, you know, for people that might be looking to start their own business, do you have any pieces of advice on maybe things you did right and things that you might've done differently now looking back a year later? Yeah, sure. So I'd say uh, the first thing that I did right was that first thing that I mentioned, like I had that cash savings. So in other words, you know, if you are starting a business, um, you don't want to go into credit card debt. Ideally, you don't want to touch other like 401ks. You don't want to get family loans, things like that. So there is a personal financial planning side of it that you need to be ready for and be able to plan for. And I was happy that 
I kind of had that backstop where I was able to invest in the right software or invest in the right training and not worry about, you know, being able to feed my dog. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was really helpful. And I would say, you know, looking back, um, there's a really, really good book out there um, that I recommend called Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. Have you ever heard of that before? No, I haven't. I'll have to check it uh, out. Amazing book about uh, being just really, really clear about if you're in a consulting role or if you're uh, selling a product or something like that, um, who's your target market? What problem are you solving? And how is their life better after, you know, engaging with you? Um, so it brings you through this framework and talks through like how every movie pretty much has the same plot where, you know, you have characters that have a problem that meet a guy that come in and help solve a problem. Right. So it's like Luke Skywalker had that. Right. So they like, bring through all these different examples. Um, and that was really helpful. I wish I had it six months earlier as I was trying to figure out like my target market, my messaging, my website and everything like that. Um, but I recommend that to all new business owners or to be business owners of, you know, get really, really clear on what problem you're helping to solve and then make it so, so simple that a caveman can understand what you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For, for those of uh, for the people that don't know what your business does, do you want to talk about the mission, who you serve, uh, and answer actually some of those questions that you just talked about? Yeah, absolutely. So again, my firm name is uh, Experience Your Wealth. So I specialize in helping travel-loving young families, you know, find the responsible balance between paying down debt, uh, investing for the future, but also experiencing life now. So they feel conflicted, uh, you know, wanting to save for the future, but not wanting to sacrifice right now. Um, they don't really buy into the like nine to five, work until you're 65 mentality. So it kind of goes back to, you know, the four hour work week of wanting to, you know, take a mini retirement or take a sabbatical or, you know, take some part-time work or things like that, um, maybe start a business. So I love being able to um, help clients at that stage of having young kids or possibly having young kids in the future, but being able to integrate some of their other life goals into their uh, family's financial decisions. So um, I started about a year ago. Um, I'm very fortunate to be well ahead of where I was expecting to be. Uh, I think part of that was, uh, I feel guilty kind of saying this, but a global pandemic just causes uncertainty for a lot of people. And people think like, oh crap, what does this mean for my finances when stock market's going down and people are losing jobs and things. And, you know, really the value that one of the values that I bring is just being that objective thinking partner and helping people think through how to make better financial decisions that are more aligned with their life. Yeah. As, as you you know, you're obviously pretty young into your journey, but what have been the hardest parts of being an entrepreneur and what have been the most rewarding parts, I guess, and maybe especially in comparison to working, you know, in the corporate world? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. Um, I'd say the hardest part is uh, turning it off. Um, so you don't have the peace of mind of a nine to five that you go home at five and you can go, you know, work out, play some basketball, like do all these things. And um, similar on weekends, like uh, something that I struggle with is when it's me and my firm there, like there's no one else, right? At least right now until I grow, there's no one else to really help um, answer questions or be there for clients. So when it's your name out there, you just take more ownership with things. 
And I think that is, is something that I struggle with um, at times where at first I was good about exercising a lot and meditating and reading. Like I had a really good daily routine. And then since I got really busy working with new clients, like I've seen some of that try to fade, start to fade away. So it's just um, being able to turn it off, I think is really challenging. And also just taking care of yourself where you hear a lot of times uh, entrepreneurial burnout because you're so motivated, you're so passionate about it. Um, so you have to really set some limits around how you can really work into that, but also, you know, take some time for you and friends and family as well. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think uh, if I can't just <laughs> not be a therapist, but, you know, I think you being young in your journey and just starting out, right, there's a desire to to make it grow and 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 be successful so obviously that's where a lot of that comes from but it's good that you have the self-awareness to know it's something that you need to continue to work on um, yeah yeah and the next thing you mentioned was just the, the high points and um there's just you know being able to see an idea that you grow from scratch like every little thing like building a website, the words on it, the pictures, the logo, like all these things that you put so much thought into. I think it's when you see it start working, um, it's really, it's just a really cool feeling. Um, and I'm not at the point yet where, you know, I'm not going to take my foot off the gas a bit. Like I'm still trying to get to a point where as a household, cause my wife's also an entrepreneur, um, as a household, like we have that steady income again, where we're at least like where we used to be. So we're not yet there, but um, what I, we have been really enjoying is just the flexibility of like, if I want to go to the gym during the day and before COVID at least, like I can do that. Or, yeah. you know, that first beautiful spring day where like it's April in Boston, everyone's miserable, but then that like first 60 degree day comes and you want to be outside, like we can take two hours off and go do it. And yeah. I think that's a really um, valuable part of being an entrepreneur is I would say I work more, but it doesn't feel like work because I can control when I turn it on and off. So, you know, if Patriots are playing super late on a Sunday night, I'm going to sleep in until eight o'clock yeah. and not have a boss like there to say, no, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the freedom is also a great part of entrepreneurship. Uh, you've done a lot of writing, uh, Barron's, Yahoo Finance, Forbes, I'm sure there's been some others. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about where that came from, how you started that, and, and, and how you got featured in a lot of those great publications? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this, uh, you know, there's been a lot of uh, just advice put out there about how do you do content, right? So for example, you're awesome at podcasts, right? So you're able to figure out the podcast route and kind of grow with that. Um, for me, I, I always liked writing. There's just something about it. Like I, I always needed time to digest something and then put words into paper, right? Um, so I was thinking like, as I want to put out content and write about, or, you know, think about things I'm really passionate about, what's my strengths? And I knew it wasn't video because I'm like the perfectionist where if I record like a two minute video and one thing's off, I'd be like, crap, do it again. Yeah. Um, so within writing, like I was just able to find my voice, like have some humor with it. Like I use, talk about Ron Swanson and Game of Thrones and stuff. And like, I can kind of make that personable and relatable, but 
um, that's just led to a lot of different opportunities, which is really cool. So, you know, I've built some relationships with reporters and being able to just add value to them, um, where I think is important because, you know, as I approached the media, it was, I want to build long-term partnerships with people. I don't want it to be viewed as just a transaction, right? So, you know, I signed up to things like help a reporter out and some other, you know, outlets where people are looking for quotes. And you can submit quotes to get featured in there. And I always just try to be responsive with it. If I got quoted somewhere, like I would follow up via email, say, hey, thanks so much. I shared it on social media. I tagged you as well. And oh, by the way, here are the three things that I really specialize in. Um, so I was very strategic on how I wanted to have that be you know, a feature of my content. And then it's just time until you, know, you quote or you submit enough quotes and then you get featured enough articles. Yeah. I kind of want to transition to more of a free form, you know, questions. And I'm not sure if you signed up for this, but as you look at the finance industry, right? For me, one of my things that I haven't, you know, I guess constructive criticism overall has been, I never was required in high school to take a finance class really wasn't required in college. I, I only ended up taking it just because of, you know, my major and what I was doing. Are there other things, you know, from as a financial professional, as you look at the industry, you know, those are two things. And I, obviously I'm not a financial professional, but those are two things that stand out to me. Are, are, are there other th aspects of the industry you hope change as we go, go forward in time? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say there, there's two main ones and you already talked about one, which is just the, the financial literacy aspect where, you know, we don't learn this stuff in school. We don't really learn what checking account is versus saving account and what's credit card debt versus student loans and everything. And, um, you know, we learn things like physics and all these like really valuable things that frankly, like I just coasted and got a B minus in <laughs> that I wasn't <laughs> passionate about, yeah. but we really have like the life skills. Like everyone is going to need to know what a checking account, a savings account, like how to invest or how to save. Like there's a baseline of knowledge that's really helpful. And because that hasn't been filled, um, you add that to money is very emotional. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of guilt around it, right? So it's a money is one of the few things that's a true representation of your hard work, your values, your goals. So take this emotional object, combine it with something that we're never taught on what to do. It's just a recipe for disaster, to be frank. And that's why I think so many younger professionals, they find themselves in debt or they're not, they don't know what a 401k is. And it's frankly, it's not their fault at all. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, I'm part of some initiatives that um, teach high schoolers what this is, like what's financial literacy and different things. Um, it's something that I work with my clients on is teaching their kids about money because so much of what we learn or we're, how we're shaped about money is from childhood as well. Um, so I do think there's this huge financial literacy gap that I really, really hope starts to shrink um, as we just further refine like what that type of education is. So um, next I would say is just, there's a lack of trust in the financial services industry. And frankly, for very, very good reasons, right? Um, I use the analogy, like uh, if you go to the doctor and they do a diagnosis of you and they prescribe medicine A over B and C, 
you would hope that wouldn't put more money in their pocket, right? You would hope that, you know, they're going to do what's in your best interest, best for your health and things like that. But unfortunately in the financial services industry, it's not like that yet. So, you know, you can be working with someone who quote unquote is going to give you the best advice for you, but it puts more money in their pocket, whether that's buying insurance or investing in a product or things like that. So my hope is that um, there's more regulation that gets put out there. And there's just more trust as a result of it because your money is just too, too precious to ever question what's in it for this person when they're advising me. Yeah. And, and again, to my audience, I haven't prepped Jake on any of these questions. So, uh, but I, I'll, I'll ask him anyway, you know, if, 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 uh, you know, if you had to recommend one book or a, a couple of books, whatever comes to mind, you know, obviously you gave one on entrepreneurship, but or any resource or book or anything that if someone listening had only one thing to, to go to, um, you know, obviously that's asking a lot, but, you know, are, are there any recommendations there? Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a great book called uh, Your Money or Your Life. Um, it's by Vicki Robbins. Um, and the premise is pretty simple. Like you choose your money or your life, right? And it just talks about this philosophy that a lot of my clients buy into as well. It's like, you know, money is infinite, but time is finite. And we constantly sacrifice money or sorry, we sacrifice time and the endless pursuit of money, but we don't really go through the process of figuring out like what is enough? Right. So like, what would we want to do with our time, money and energy if we didn't have to work again? Right. Um, so that's a really powerful book because I think it puts a lot of things in perspective. Right. Um, and I think as people are thinking or trying to learn about their own financial journey, having this mindset of, you know, you don't need the fancy car, like you don't need the luxurious home, like get really clear on what's important to you and make sure that's something that's consistent in your financial life. So that's where you like the title comes from is you choose your life that you really want and then your money follows it. But if there was, for example, a high paying job that required you to work 80 hours a week and you wouldn't see your family, are you choosing your money or are you choosing your life? So it's a really, really cool book. Um, one that I highly recommend and one that has a lot of um, similar philosophies from those that I share with clients. Yeah. And I guess, do you think there are any, you know, and again, these are broad questions, but are there any myths that come to mind that, you know, you've seen where clients always think this and, you know, this has been a reoccurring theme that you've had to debunk or anything of that no nature? Yeah, for sure. There's a, one in particular, and uh, it was the second blog post I ever wrote, and it's actually the highest ranking one, <laughs> ironically, but um, the title of the blog post is renting is not throwing money away. And I think one that we often hear is like the best thing you ever need to do is buy a home, right? Like that was the thing in the 30s and the 40s and our parents is like home ownership was a metric of success, right? But then you have this millennials and Gen Z and everyone coming up and, you know, we value experiences over things, right? So you might want to travel or you might want to have more flexibility or do these things rather than feeling tied to a home or something. So, 
you know, that's something that's very common that I hear from clients and, you know, they'll say, oh, I want to buy a home and I won't say, oh, you shouldn't do that. It's just, oh, tell me more about why that's important to you. Right. And then I really get to the core and then figure out, okay, well, you know, you could actually accomplish this through renting and you could travel more. So is that something that's more aligned with your values and what's important to you? So um, my hope is anyone listening to this, like they, they'll feel less guilty about renting, um, knowing, you know, renting saves money so that you can use it in other ways, right? So you're more flexible, you're able to invest more in yourself. Um, that doesn't mean you shouldn't buy a home. Like if it's aligned with something that's important to you, you have a family, you see you're going to be somewhere for a while. I think it, it makes sense to do at some point. Um, but we always want to challenge, like, what's the opportunity cost of putting money into real estate and which of those are more aligned with my values? Um, so, for example, two years ago, I could have easily bought a home with some of our savings, but I said, I'm going to keep it in cash. We're going to keep renting so that we both can start businesses. If we put it into real estate, there's no way we could have done that. Right. So it's kind of looking through and saying, where do you see your life being? And then how does owning a home or not fit into that? That's a great piece of advice. Well, wow. I guess, uh, you know, and again, this is a broad question as well, but people are all, all going to be in different places who are, who are listening to this, but does there, if there's one piece of financial advice that you would give, does anything stand out for you? Yeah, so I would say, uh, you know, be a steward of your cash flow. And what I mean by that is um, know what you're spending, um, not from like a shame perspective or like, oh, I can't do this, but um, just bring awareness into how much it costs to live your lifestyle, right? How that's changed over time. So the reason why I say that is you're able to make such better financial decisions in the future if you know, oh, you know, it costs $5,000 a month, $10,000 a month, whatever that number is for you to just be living now. So then you can make more informed decisions about things like what job do you take? How much apartment can you afford? Uh, you know, can you travel or things like that? So it's like this baseline that is a crucial variable in order to make a really good recommendation most people don't want to do it because they think it's like flossing, right? It's like budgeting is terrible. No one wants to do it. You know, it's healthy for you, but it's painful. But if you reframe it as just awareness into how your money is being used and how that's aligned with your values, you could find that money is being spent on things that you don't really care about. And you could repurpose that in other ways that would make you much happier. Um, so there's this concept called money dials, where it's kind of like you turn down the dial on things you don't care about. Like for me, it's a car. So I can turn up the things I really care about, which for me and my wife is travel, right? So we'd rather go on our bomb ass trip to Antarctica next year yep. rather than having like a really nice car. And that's just something that we, we know because we know what we spend. So, you know, if, if someone's trying to figure out like, where do you start? I think that's a great way to do it. Um, there's free tools like mint.com where you can sync up your bank accounts and everything. And, you know, it'll bring all the data in to, to make that easy. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a great point. It's amazing how many people don't have <laughs> budgets on their own personal finances and don't aren't aware of, uh, how much they're spending on what, um, I guess, was there anything else that has been on your mind? Obviously, there's a lot going on 
in the world, but uh, something that's standing out right now in, in the world of finance? Yeah, so I, I think um, just overall for people, it, it's like one something that I love helping people with and helping them articulate is um, this whole mindset of like retirement, right? And I mentioned this earlier where our generation isn't really motivated by retiring, right? So working for 40 years and then stopping, um, frankly, that was from the, the 1930s and 20s where physically you couldn't work past a certain age. And I think now that we're seeing from just the, the coronavirus and the gig economy and everything going remote now is there are possibilities that were there that would never used to exist, right? So you can now work abroad in a post-COVID world, do your work and, you know, not miss a beat, right? Or you could go live in different locations or, you know, you can start a business from your basement or whatever it is, right? Like there's all these cool things that come up now um, that don't require you to be physically present somewhere. So I think a lot of people fall into this trap of like thinking, oh, I can't do all this because I need to retire. And instead, I, I kind of reframe it as, well, what would you like? I want you to find work that you love doing when you want, where you want and how you want. And if you're doing that, why would you ever want to stop? Right. So the longer that you work, the more that you can actually experience your life throughout the way. So I just love talking to people about that and having the mindset and kind of bringing people through these exercises so that, you know, you don't climb a ladder the whole life, your whole life to realize it was leaning the wrong way. Yeah. Well, that's a good piece of advice. Was there a, Jake, was there anything else that uh, we didn't hit on that, that you wanted to hit on? Uh, no, I, I think that's it overall. Um, I think follow your podcast cause you're crushing it. <laughs> you know, go get you some great ratings and everything and plug you a bit more. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, no, it, it's Jake. I just want to thank you for being on. I think it's, you know, as we talked about a little bit, you know, personal finance can be this, like, it almost is like rocket science, almost like in, in some ways, because, you know, from a high school and, and, and college level, a lot of us are not taught a lot about it. And uh, I think it's just been cool to learn from your journey of, you know, working in the corporate world and, and gathering those skills and, you know, passing those tests and, and really gaining the knowledge um, to do, you know, to start your own business and, and, and go forward with that. And uh, I think it's great what you're doing and, and uh, all, all the best wishes going forward for people that may want to support you or maybe reach out to your company or to you. Do you want to talk about how they can reach you? Yeah, absolutely. So the best way to do it is uh, go to my website, www.experienceyourwealth.com. Um, so you can subscribe to my blog. You can see about the types of clients that I work with. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, so you're able to just see all the different content that I put out and everything. Um, you can find all that on, on the homepage um, and just follow the, follow the journey from there. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on, Jake. All right. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you.